The views and opinions expressed on WXOJLP are solely those of the original hosts of their respective programs. These views and opinions do not necessarily represent those of Valley Free Radio Incorporated, its volunteers, or any other hosts, guests, or programs on this station. Good evening, and welcome to Civil Politics here on Valley Free Radio. WXOJLP 103.3 FM out of Northampton, Massachusetts. I'm Michael Dow, hosting this evening and hopefully not messing up too badly on the board. And I'm joined tonight by the inimitable Sue Timberlake. Hey there. (laughs) On a different mic. Oh, I think the sound quality is a little low there. That's why I don't always use this mic. So, Uh, uh, too, yeah. Huh. How about that? Yeah. Well, we'll we'll give it a try, anyways. Yeah, maybe I should switch to three or four. Um, Yeah, I don't know. You sound good, actually. Oh, I do? Oh, I was watching the needle, so never mind. You know, some people just never stop doing engineering things. What can I say? (laughs) You know, anytime you want to, like, actually, like, as a tech person. (laughs) I sometimes do it for farm to fork. It's usually a disaster because if you don't do it all the time, you know. Yeah, well, that's that's certainly something I'm I'm reminded of. Live radio, you know. know, Yeah, exactly. Uh, but, you know, flip side, you know, you're much better at things like, you know, fixing your car and being handy and programming computers and things. So, you know. Who knew? All that hard stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Thank God there's like seven kinds of, you know, talents that people have and we're all different. So it's good. Oh, wow. You mean I'm 0 for 7? Worse than I thought. (laughs) Anyway, um, we'd love to hear from you uh, as we talk about politics, uh, and you can get in touch with us in a few different ways. Uh, CivilPoliticsRadio at ValleyFreeRadio.org is our email. At CivilPoliticsFM is our Twitter. And Facebook.com slash CivilPoliticsRadio is our community. We do also have our own website, which is CivilPoliticsRadio.com. That actually has, among other things, uh, a link to the... uh, dedicated search using our trusted news sources and uh, commentary and so forth that uh, uh, genre set up that uh, I was actually using today just to make sure I had stuff to talk about. And uh, Yeah, you can tell if stories are real with it. It's pretty good. If, yeah. If you get no hits on the – it's either really early in the story or it's not true. Yeah, or <laughs> womp womp. <laughs> um, yeah. And that also has links to previous episodes of the show and stuff like that. Yeah, and spe- speaking of not true, this wasn't what I, want- I wanted to mention first thing, but just I was so pleased to see that apparently there was a, an announcement from um, the uh, – uh, apparently the court case of people suing uh, uh, Alex Jones, the families of Sandy Hook victims. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and they're letting it go to trial or something? Well, not only are they letting it go to trial, they just won a motion, discovery motion. So they're going to be able to go through um, the documents, uh, uh, all kinds of internal stuff for uh, info wars and whatnot. So oh, This will be fun. Yeah. So, um, and before we get on, I just want to mention um, uh, a sounds hilarious, but is actually really somber uh anniversary uh next tuesday is going to be the anniversary of the great molasses flood of boston uh, uh which was a huge disaster yeah this january 15th 1919 a huge disaster that killed about 15 people i don't remember actually um but like more than a dozen people died uh 
probably pretty horribly. A lot of buildings were destroyed. It was uh, uh, a horrific uh, industrial accident and a perfect example of the kind of negligence of the golden age. And uh, apparently it had some far-reaching consequences. Um, I don't have it handy, but I'll post a link uh, when I'm done with the show that uh, to a Boston Globe article about the whole thing. And there's a, apparently a really definitive book from about 15 years ago that talks about it. Um, and when industry goes rogue, is that <laughs> kind of uh, well? When industry doesn't give a crap, and because all the people living near whatever the facility are poor Italian immigrants, and who really cares? But you know, it it did a lot of damage to the north end of Boston, and because it happened in January, uh, temperatures plunged really, yeah. overnight, and so some of the victims had to be. You know, like they, they, they were killed, but in order to retrieve their bodies, they had to be actually chipped out of frozen molasses. It gets a lot thicker when it's cold. Right? Yeah. Well, and when it gets to, you know, below zero temperatures, it, you know, it just becomes a rock. So Our own Pompeii. Yeah. Except for they retrieve the bodies. So Yeah. No, it, it, it yes, it, it's, it's way too horrible to be as, to sound as funny as it does. Yeah. So, but anyway, it's certainly one of those weird bits of of unique Boston history. I mean, I've I've there've been plenty of industrial disasters. It's the only one I've ever heard of that involved a lot of molasses, but there it is. Anyway, see, and, and you're the historian. See, we're we're different. Yes, like, indeed. <laughs> I had never heard about that before. I think you told me about it. Really? Yeah, I think the, so. You, you lived in Boston. Yeah. Well, you know. I live in the on the other. What is it? The other part of my brain, or something. I guess I just. Yeah. That's. I don't remember when I first heard about that. I was high school, college, something. Yeah. No. That's. Uh, that's one of those bits of of colorful, like eye popping history that you. I just you can't forget. You know, really, it's like a molasses flood. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> now, so. if you asked me about Proteus vulgaris, I would probably be able to still tell you about that. But yeah. Ah. And I don't even know what that is. It's a bug. <laughs> ah. So, but uh, but talking about uh, uh, negligence and unexpected storage tanks a hundred years ago, sort of does segue into our current government shutdown. Oh, the role of government? Are you gonna? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's part of you know, just like uh, as the article pointed out, just as the Coconut Grove fire, oh yeah, uh, led to reforms and people thinking about building safety and fire safety and where the exits were and whatnot um, in, you know, in nightclubs as opposed to, uh, you know, you'd think triangle shirtwaist fire would have convinced people that maybe fire exits needed to be easily available and open and stuff. But... And open out and all that stuff. Yeah. yeah the, all, the, all the codes that they have now. Yeah. Well, you know, a lot of the stores around here, I've noticed when it gets close to closing hour, they start closing the emergency exits and locking them. And it's like, you need to leave those open until the store is closed. It's very interesting. It's sort of like they so soon they forget what, what actually happens. Well, uh, you know, like Walmart will close two of the three exit doors and make you go out the other end of the store and, you know, stuff like that. Well, sure. But, uh, like, you know, you can – they, they often make emergency doors where it's locked unless you press the emergency bar and then it opens up and you can get out and then the alarm goes off. Uh, you know, but that's like it doesn't actually stop you from exiting in an actual emergency, yeah. which which reminds me. So this is, again, not government <laughs> shutdown. And Are we I digressing? I, we love to di digress. Well, yeah, <laughs> but uh, this was just like, wow, it's become 
it's become a, I don't know, like a, like a, like a farce, like a movie or whatever. Um, the, uh, fellow who, um, uh, I should have actually written this down and whatever, but, uh, so, you know, the, uh, election in, uh, North Carolina that is disputed, the, the congressman who, you know, they're refusing to seat. They're refusing to seat because there's strong evidence of voter fraud and the whole thing is even in the primary, right? Even. Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, uh, the the state is uh, investigating and the the house is going to investigate. The um, the fellow gave a press conference the other day. Oh, I missed it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> was it? On, it wouldn't have been on C-SPAN. <laughs> I don't think it was on C-SPAN, though it probably should have been. But the the he was talk. He was giving remarks. And then he basically ducked out, avoiding reporters, and in like he had somebody blocking the hallway while he ran out through an emergency exit. You know, oh, is that crash bar. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Alarm going off. And when the reporters are like, "Hey, so Mister, your dude blocking the way, do you work for the state or something?" And the guy's <laughs> like, "No, no, you can go." And so, but they chase this fellow. This fellow down the down, you know, outside and across the street into a Showing church questions. parking lot. Yeah, <laughs> I love the press when they're doing well, what they're supposed to. Well, but I, I mean, you know, it's it sounds like something out of I don't know, like that like that Dave Chappelle sketch where like you know he just starts trashing everything in sight to avoid questions for the press conference. You know, quick creative diversion. But it's yeah. but it's tr yes, I mean seriously. Well, you've seen every time. Have you ever seen a politician give a speech and then so well, i got to catch a plane back to washington so or whatever yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Gonna, it's like <laughs> well he, he the, the 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 aftermath is the fellow tweeted you know a reporter you know posted a link on his twitter like oh this was you know so-and-so hiding out and so, hiding in the dumpster <laughs> and he, well and he tweeted back oh sorry to miss you i had to rush out because there was a football game i had to watch or something you know go whatever team it was and i wow just just wow. <laughs> well, and you, they don't want to leave the record unanswered in this new world of social media, but it's really quite a um, quite a process to to answer every thing with something that's really disingenuous, <laughs> you know, but just so it's up there at the same time. So if you didn't know what actually happened, you go, oh, OK, maybe you really did have to leave. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I have no idea. But but it, it's really astonishing. Um, so uh, government shutdown. Um, people love it. It's it's playing super well, uh, uh, and people, the pressure mounts, and people think the president's great for doing it. Well, you know, he <laughs> always wants to be the longest and the biggest and the you know most ever, and he's just got it right after tomorrow is the twenty second day. Is that right, or is today the twenty second day? I don't remember, but I by the end of the weekend, it will it will have been the longest. Yeah. Well, uh, who I can't remember who pointed it out but somebody some pundit talking head person that i was looking at <clears throat> so this is not my original observation but i thought it was clever the perhaps the most basic impetus for this and the reason why trump was willing to dive into this in the first place um is that the new democratically controlled house is getting a lot of attention uh, you know alexandria ocasio-cortez and all the others are getting a lot of attention and if there's one thing Trump truly, truly hates, oh, he can't have anybody else in the in the limelight. Yeah, exactly. So the shutdown now it's all about him again. Yeah. And well, I thought Schumer and Pelosi actually orchestrated that to make sure. 
that it was going to be about him when they went into his office and, and when Chuck Schumer was doing that thing where he actually got him to say, I'll, I'll be glad to take the I, responsibility. Of this. I thought they trapped him. I thought that was intentional. Well, so. that, w- that, w- that would be kind of impressive that they got Trump to, I mean, yeah. To, yeah. yeah. In such an undeniable way. Yeah. And now I think, um, you know, notwithstanding me being a Republican, I think Nancy Pelosi's strategy of passing all the Senate bills mm-hmm. and, and giving them to them, Yeah, I think that's brilliant. I agree. Because what can you argue with? You passed them, what, two months ago? Less, yeah. <laughs> it's the very same bill. Yeah. And now you won't even take it up. You yeah. passed these in the last session, so here yeah. they are. Yeah. And it's your version. It's not even the House version. And yeah. A lot of my party was having fits over this in the House because they're like, we did all this bipartisan work and we actually have bills that are, you know, could go over to the Senate that have a lot of things in them that we all agreed are. And and the Democrats are like, no, we're just going to we're just going to send this stinker back over to them. And I I thought it's brilliant because they have no argument in the Senate. No, except for that Trump. They don't want to make Trump say no. Yeah. Which and of course, uh, what's the point of government if you don't press the other side once in a while well sure and and surely uh surely if they actually passed uh the bill and uh you know and send it over for trump's signature and he vetoed it um i'm willing to bet that uh uh they could get a lot of democratic votes to override the veto so they wouldn't need that many republicans to break ranks in order to break the president's veto yeah. they only need 67 votes yeah i mean that's in that's a senate. fair number but yeah. in the senate yeah but it's still like you know, 67 is not an unreachable height. It goes another two or three weeks, it might actually be. It might. Yeah, because people are defecting. I've, I've noticed a couple of things. Uh, my friend who's visiting from Boston was saying that there's, I think we're up to five or five or six or seven Republicans that have defected in the House to start voting yes on some of these things. Well, yeah. and it's, um, to me, it's astonishing that uh, the the the... Republican Party as a whole is willing to be wedded to uh, this combination, uh, you know, narcissism, temper tantrum, and um, I don't know, like hostage situation, you know, it's, it's really, yeah, you know, I mean, it it really does feel like a kidnapping negotiation, like, ah, you know, (laughs) you know, let me build a wall or the kid gets it. (laughs) Yeah, well, we're gonna see who people are. In the next week or two, I think, because the pressure will mount, and um, maybe we'll start to see who people actually are instead of, you know, monolithic folks acting in their party's interests. Well, I I would be nice if they would act in the, dare I say, national interest. And... (sighs) I mean, they're like two football teams. They can't possibly admit that was a good play. Yeah. They just can't. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, we have the problem of... Like, what is it, 800,000, 900,000? 800 and some, yeah. Right, okay. So over close to a million people who are actual, like, employed public servants. Or their spouses and their kids, yeah. Yeah, well, and they're not getting paid. And Today's the first day I think they didn't get it. Right, so either they're working and not getting paid because what they do is too important not for them not to do it, or else they're not getting paid and they're not working and they're all struggling. And... Any number of them, you know, any of these people who are living paycheck to paycheck are in real trouble. And I've, I, I, you know, I've heard interviews on NPR of people who are like, you know, because this is, you know, interrupting this, uh, you know, it, my, you know, like I was having things, wages garnished out of my paycheck and now I'm, you know, in default of this 
you know, loan or this agreement or whatever, you know, like all, it just creates all, all kinds of problems. Of things, yeah. And and everybody's know. a little stretched after the holidays anyway, so perfect right. timing. Oh yeah, me too. <laughs> so I mean, it just like like just as a as a basic heating bells. Yeah, yeah. Like it's, it's we're, you know, it's screwing over like uh like millions of Americans. And just why is this a good idea? Why why is holding the 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 livelihood and and uh, immediate welfare of millions of Americans acceptable politics? Well, you know the the strong. You know, I always like people that use power, and you know we've gone uh-huh. down that path before. Which which I mean, <laughs> arguably this is. Oh, he's totally uh, he's he's totally using it. But you know, a mm-hmm. lot of politicians that people have liked the outcomes for actually were pretty ruthless in their wielding of power. Sure. And you know, Democrats and Republicans included, and and they knew how to they knew how to threaten the Congress and their colleagues, and you know all that stuff. It's very interesting because this is actually more of a threat to the people at large. And I'm wondering what will come of that because that's a very different thing. You know, he's holding the government hostage, and it is only about twenty five percent because seventy five percent of all the bills passed. Before the budget bill, so a lot of these agencies are funded through next year. Sure, but, but this is the twenty, and one of them is Homeland Security. Of all the right. things to have left off the list, right? Well, uh, one of them is the agency that's overseeing border security, so which is the supposedly the thing they care about. Yeah. So yeah, so well, so the person that's willing to destroy it can own it. That's sort of the game theory, right? Uh, that's uh, the the yes, the person who, if you are willing to destroy something, you control it. That's that's from Dune, isn't it? That, uh, that's one of the well, it's that's a, the key yeah. insight of Paul Atreides when he declares himself. Uh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> well, and and it is a it's a fundamental to game theory. Such it's the guy I think we talked about playing um, chicken before, and a mm-hmm. truck is coming down the hill. You throw and, your steering wheel out the window, and they know you can't turn. So yeah, you know what choice do they? And that's that. I mean, Trump. Trump is you know he he. There's something about him that lacks compassion, and it makes it very easy for him to do mm-hmm. these oh, yeah. things, which makes him, uh, you know, really tough negotiator in some ways because he's willing to destroy it to to own it. It makes him reckless, certainly. Yeah. <clears throat> well, and so uh, you know, food isn't being inspected, and uh, uh, agriculture's still in business, but the uh, FDA, right? So it's like meat and poultry's inspected, but then, the the greens and the I. Yeah, I, then, and it's so weird to find out how they divide this stuff up. It's yeah. like, why is what what? <laughs> uh, and that one's under this people but... <laughs> people clinging to power and the weird historical evolution of things is, you know, because that's where you're an expert because it's like, oh well, how do we get here? <laughs> well, I don't I don't know the specifics of that, but I imagine that meat inspection is something that got started a lot sooner. Uh, because of things like Upton Sinclair's The Jungle, yeah. whereas probably inspection of vegetable safety probably came later because— It's not a high-risk item or something. Well, it can be, but but rotten meat, you know, uh, there, there's all kinds of terrible things that can happen to people who eat meat that's gone bad that don't happen to people who don't eat meat, you know? Like, there's a reason why vegetarians tend to live longer. <laughs> do they? I guess they do. A little bit, yeah, yeah, yeah you know. Um, so it's— uh, uh, and and Lord knows, uh, are, are there any other molasses tanks out there that we need to <laughs> need to inspect? I don't know. They they've talked a lot about sort of the inspectors that are on the job, but a more limited staff, and that a lot of the stuff will continue sort of as is. 
but as more emergencies that require special investigations and all that, that those things will really, they'll they'll pull all the staff away from the small routine things that are happening. It's an interesting argument that a lot of the feeling, you know, if if there's an event sort of in food, you know, or like an airplane crash, you know, the things that are going on in the mechanics shop at the at the airport, you know, the routine inspections are sort of happening with a limited staff. But if there's a big event, they're going to draw all those people away right. for, for right. that. And no, that's, yeah, that's true. And and sort of that those sort of, you know, you don't see that so much. That's one of the things. But the people without their paychecks is really, um, really the thing that's making, <clears throat> I think, the most press and well, that most people can identify with. Well, and as the, the party that is more closely aligned with the libertarian wing of thinking, like just the <laughs> idea of like, we expect you to work, but we're not going to pay you. I just like, oh. how is that something that could possibly... Possibly be acceptable. I just got some of the proceedings of the Cato Institute uh, this past week because they just published a new, you know, they do it like quarterly. Mm -hmm. And I haven't read it yet, but I was like, oh, I wonder what they're going to do over Cato with this because they're libertarian, as you probably know, and they're the libertarian version of conservatism. So, yeah, what a, what a, um, I mean, what a thing to ask people to do. And a lot of people do. I mean, people that work for government are often quite um, loyal and believe in what they do. And um, you know it's really, it's really hard to watch them being taken advantage of. Yeah, from my perspective, I I agree. And it's I think a uh, oh man, I had a thought and I totally <laughs> it's the molasses, the view of the molasses. Yes, indeed, it's the molasses in my head is slowing because it's winter and it's very cold. <laughs> um, well, all right. So uh, pivoting but staying on this. Uh, so. The president has sort of has said he's sort of holding off on declaring a national emergency. Although he's looking at the money for Puerto Rico, Texas, yeah, San Francisco, yeah, yeah, oh yeah. No, it's uh, you know, and I'm sure he did that just to get you know just to poke people with a stick and get headlines. Yeah, you know, it's like where's the money that isn't nailed down that I can take? But so, but at this point, I don't think there's... Puerto Rico. Oh my God, I know. Well, I I understand it's it's it's. Come, it's starting to bounce back, but yeah. Well, Hamilton's got a live show this week down there, right? They're doing a live stage show to fundraise for. Puerto I think Rico so. In in Puerto, I, I think so. I forget which city it's. I, I know. you know I I just couldn't I could just couldn't squeeze it into my schedule, so <laughs> you know, I, I I'm not sure on the exact time. There were a lot of ten dollar tickets, and but there are also a lot of five thousand dollar tickets. So yeah, as someone flying in, uh, I would probably be getting the latter and not the. <laughs> and that again is another reason why I just couldn't squeeze it in, you know. <clears throat> but um, so the president, uh, you know, is has threatened to declare a national emergency and just sort of unilaterally do it. Yeah. And and other presidents have done that. I mean, that's sixty times they're saying. In the oh, last... the, the, it's not that there have never been national emergencies, yeah. but uh, like Obama, this is Bush. this is uh, yeah, all... this is a, a harebrained use of it. But at the same time, like. Is there an alternative at this point? Because the president isn't doesn't seem to want to want to want to fold. I mean, he's not exactly a brave or principled man, but he, he does hates to lose. He hates to lose, and he is being he backed into a corner. Yeah, yeah, and you don't want to back somebody like that into a corner because they're like a caged, you know, cornered animal. Right, right. You don't really know what he will do. Well. Uh, we do know that you know he's storming out of meetings with Speaker Pelosi and so forth. And Although there were there were reports that he didn't storm out; he just left. But well, I've heard it both ways. I I can't imagine that Trump would uh, maintain his cool when he's angry. And 
I'm sure. I can see the cold, silent response. Okay, if you're not going to negotiate, I'm out of here. But mm. we'll see. I just—it's funny to hear the I two different um, versions of it from people who were there and eyewitnesses. Oh, okay. Because I'd only <laughs> heard Trump saying, "No, no, I was very calm and respectful." And it's uh, like, "No, you weren't." Like, uh, like I can't believe anything that man yeah. says. But somebody said, "Oh no, he didn't. He didn't slam the table." But. Uh, well, we'll see. But uh, again, I, I I tend to believe people who aren't Trump. When they talk about these things, but, <laughs> anybody but Trump. Okay, yeah, yeah. Well, when it your, comes to credibility, criteria. yes. <laughs> at this point, but you know, there's no negotiating happening. You know, like Lindsey Graham was working to craft some bills, and he's that's saying he's got nothing, right? He, right. He said today he's he doesn't he doesn't know where it can go from here. Well, so so what happens at some point? Ask your friends, the Democrats. Uh. Why, why should we be, you know, why is it up to us? If this was so important, you should have done it when you had unitary control of the executive and legislative branches. Oh, yes, you you Republicans should have done it. I got it. Yeah. yeah. Same reason that immigration didn't get done when Obama had both houses of Congress. Because you know what? They're really hard to do. Well, they are really hard to do. But also he, 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 he burned all the... He, you know, he used all his time and energy passing health care reform. Well, Mitch McConnell um, had started to make, you know, this uh, some sort of an appeasement like two, two or three, four weeks ago. And he got burned because he said, yeah, we're going to. And then Trump said, no, we're not doing that. And so Mitch McConnell's position right now is um, nothing gets brought up in the Senate unless the House and the president already agree to it. Yeah. That's kind of an interesting position for somebody who's supposed to be co-equal. You know, I think he's I, – he needs to step up, I think. I don't think Mitch McConnell is – He's trying to stay out of the line of fire, but he needs yeah. – he's the – you he, know. He's, he's a wonderful I, – I consider Mitch McConnell to be a wonderful example of a, of a scheming opportunist who's only out for himself. So stepping up I don't think is in his character. I just, I just don't. Well, he's going to get you know, it in the neck if he doesn't. I think I could I, be wrong. But people have been saying that he'll be get it in the neck for for being, you know, uh, a crap weasel for years, and and he's always been eking by. Yeah. You know, this is a tough one for people to hide on. He's not a well, and that I think is one of the things that's really interesting about this. <clears throat> is I mean, what the Republican line since what Reagan has been like? Uh, government can't solve the problem. Government is the problem. Well, that certainly was Reagan's line. Yeah. Right. Well, but that's sort of been like part of the, even if it hasn't been ex- explicit, it's sort of been kind of the dogma or, uh, you well, know, Bush inside Jr. the idea of the Bush, uh, Republican Party. Bush Jr. was, you know, more compassionate. <laughs> oh, you meant that seriously. Well, no, that was his tagline. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, Compassionate yeah. conservative. Oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah. soon you forget, right? No, no, I remembered that. He I looks was... pretty good from here right now, doesn't he? No. <laughs> No, he doesn't. <laughs> there was a comic who imitates him, and he showed up at some Will Ferrell ceremony. No, somebody who really does look like Bush and uh-huh. is perfect, and not a um, not a caricature. Actually, mm-hmm. you know, looks and you know, he's a what do you call it? Not a, a mimic, I impersonator. Mean, yeah, but a like not a impression. Yeah, and mm-hmm. um, he he pops out, and he made some joke about Trump, and then said, "Wish you had me back." <laughs> it was a very funny line because it was. It was well done. Anyway. Uh, yeah, I, I not 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 really. <laughs> you know, I I I, I don't miss uh, I I don't miss the uh, uh, wars. I, I I don't miss the colon cancer I used to have. Now that I've got lung cancer or whatever, you know. 
Um, but yeah, no, I don't. I don't miss the wars. I don't miss the uh, incompetence and criminality that uh, marked the the second Bush administration. Uh, Have you seen Vice? I don't miss the 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 screw ups like allowing uh, Hurricane Katrina to destroy. Uh, New Orleans. No, I haven't seen Vice, the you, Christian Bale movie. Yeah, where he, I think the, he's probably going to get an award for that. It's as as Dick amazing. Cheney. Yes. Well, he he won a Golden Globe and uh, thanked Satan for. Uh, <laughs> I saw that. You know, for for Inspir- for the inspiration <laughs> in playing Dick Cheney, which I you know I I think is a is a is a a fair dig at at Dick Cheney and what he's done with his life. But you know, I'm I am a crazy lefty. So. Yeah, there you go. Part of. The the leftocracy we don't like him, <laughs> so oh my goodness we actually are going to have to take a break in a moment. But uh, we'll time flies c- when you're talking about fun stuff, <laughs> right? So, uh, but yeah, we we can talk more about this. And uh, uh, I'm just w- what I was trying to get to was the idea that like, hey, you know, if government is the problem, shutdowns like this are really going to show people like how oh no, government is the problem. Government actually does stuff that I really need. Government solves problems. We need government. Like it's it's a wonderful demonstration of why the Republican Party is wrong. <laughs> well, what was it that woman said during uh, one of the healthcare debates? Keep keep, you know, government is bad, but keep keep your hands off my Medicare. Right. <laughs> exactly. Perfect. Exactly. <clears throat> well, I'm going to play a few PSAs, promos, and station IDs to uh, keep the FCC happy, and uh, then we'll be. Uh, Back with more uh, civil politics here on Valley Free Radio. So don't go away. We'll be right back. Unites fans, players, and coaches alike in a spirit of competition and camaraderie. Football season has come to our area, and while you're watching a game with friends or sharing in the excitement with family, be sure to celebrate responsibly. Never pick up the keys and drive if you've had too much to drink. And if you're 21, drinking alcohol is against the law. Remember, alcohol is different. Let's all work together to keep our roads and communities safe and have a winning season. This message is brought to you by your local beer distributors and this station. A world of opportunity is sitting here in the Pioneer Valley right in Hoyoke. Bringing together a variety of organizations, Passport Hoyoke helps you discover Hoyoke's varied treasures. With numerous events happening nearly every day, there's no reason to ever be bored. For a full list of events and member organizations, visit Passport Hoyoke on the web at www.passporthoyoke.org. Come discover the city of Hoyoke. You are listening to Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM. I'm Mayor David Narkowitz, and I support Northampton's community radio station. Nerd Night NoHo is proud to support Valley Free Radio, where a monthly speaker series featuring experts from the community talking about art, culture, and science. You can find us at noho.nerdnight.com. Table of Contents is a weekly music program that assembles an assortment of songs and sounds of many genres. 
and which may entail literally taking a random collection of musical sources off the shelf and giving them a turn on the table or spin in the CD or tape player. Each week presenting shows which can at times be organized orderly and at other times perhaps be not as much so, yet never dull. Tune in Friday nights, 10 p.m. till midnight on WXOJ LP, Northampton 103.3 FM. And we're back with Civil Politics here on Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP 103.3 FM out of Northampton, Massachusetts. I'm still Michael Dow. I'm still with Sue Timberlake. We're still talking about politics. Uh, it's still early January. It's still really cold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no snow yet. Not really, yeah. But, you know, it, we might get some more. Um, you know, right in the moment, I'm like, oh, it's cold. I hate that. But on the whole, I am glad to have some winter yeah. It is nice to. I'm ready for snow. I like it. Well, we yeah. had some just before Thanksgiving. Actually, we had a lot. So yeah, and we got so, a dusting at Christmas, so that yeah, was nice. But yeah. well, this is uh, this is what keeps the bugs under control. <laughs> it's one of the reasons why we don't have endemic malaria. Hooray! Yet. <laughs> Hush now. Was it? There's oh. a a fellow at um, UMass who has done a lot of work on sort of what this area will be like in 50 years, 60 years, and I think by 2070 they think we'll have a climate closer to North Carolina. And it's sort of shocking because the poor trees and, you know, all the different things that are yeah, affected by that. That's terrible. I don't want to live in North Carolina. So we'll all have to move, you know, creep up to Vermont. Or I don't know. Or we could, I don't Canada. know, do this, do this crazy <laughs> thing where we uh, actually change our political economy and try and Intervene. deal. <laughs> well, and deal with the world dying around us. Yeah. Uh, did, there was a, a major new report out. I forget who published it, but essentially uh, – looking at a lot of the climate data and it turns out oh hey guess what the oceans are warming a lot more than we thought they already faster. had Everything. and it's going to increase faster yeah so it's yeah and the glaciers because of the heat from under yeah all mm -hmm. that stuff it's yeah. um it's it might be exponential oh it, we might find out but it, it's you know the tipping point is the, the tipping yeah. point is, is is behind us so on a more cheery note uh-huh <laughs> Than climate change, which we both agree on, which we both agree on, Republican and which and Democrat we're both alike. terrified of. Well, I, I, I think I, you know it's it's a question about methodology, yeah. you know, and that, by the way, is one of the reasons why I've always been sort of or have been sneering at libertarians for a long time because it's like you know if the free market could solve this problem, uh, we wouldn't have this problem. <laughs> <You know? laughs> wait, wait till you see what happens in the middle of a crisis. It's amazing what the free market does. But yes, they won't solve it. But people will definitely take advantage of it, well, just like they will in Brexit if it goes, you know, goes without the safety net. Right. So the book I'm reading, I somebody mentioned it, and I went and got it from the library. But it's an old book; it's from 1935 or so, and it's Sinclair Lewis. It can't happen here, and it's actually about um, sort of uh, it's it's um, sort of fictitious, but how we lose our democracy. And the person who recommended it to me said, "You need to you need to reread it. I have never read it before. You need to reread it, given the climate that we." Oh have. yes, no, I I yeah. absolutely need to reread it because, of course, I'm intimately familiar with it. <laughs> with, yeah. Right, but so it's because I'm learned. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Know. Go ahead. Sorry. So, what about it? What do you think? So, so I'm I'm just starting it, but it's sort of horrifying because it's sort of a small midwestern town, and you know this the creeping steps of be afraid of foreigners and. You know, um, we need to we need to keep control of this because this is how we've always done it, and you know, just just all the things that people do. And I imagine that they will cascade into you know, sort of the ending of the book. Like I said, I don't know how it ends, but 
Um, <laughs> it's it seems like an awfully good read, and he's a pretty good writer, which is nice. Mm. So, well, uh, it does remind me, and I know I mentioned this at some point, like a year or more ago, but there was a. Uh, I, I happened to cross a great uh, War Department documentary, you know, propaganda film or something like that, but from 1947, oh, wow. and it was called Don't Be a Sucker. And it's, <laughs> it's basically, like, uh, uh, pretty much covering that. It's like, you know, some guy's, like, watching, you know, a guy walking down the street sees a rabble-rousing speaker on the corner inveighing against... The immigrants or whatever, and or uh, the big the the and, Wall Street monsters. <laughs> no, he's talking about in, immigrants and hardworking Americans and how oh they're you know, taking our jobs, kind of exactly yeah. that kind of thing. And I think he also makes a reference about you know like sneering at like a you know black person who's standing in a crowd watching or whatever. And uh, the 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 Joe Everyman is like, huh? Well, I kind of agree with some of what he says. And the guy next to him is like, well, you know, I'm from <laughs> Germany, and this is what we saw there, and yeah. basically. Outlines the rise of of, of fascism. I think this in may Germany. parallel yeah. it, even though it it comes before we really realized who Hitler was at that point. I mean, they knew, but they didn't. This this precedes it a little the, bit. The, so. the the full extent of the damage Hitler yes. could cause. Yeah. yeah, how far it was really going to go. So I don't know. It'll be yeah. I'll be curious. I'll tune in in a couple of weeks when I finished it. So. <laughs> okay. Um, <clears throat> okay. So uh, you so mentioned Brexit. Or oh, go ahead. So yeah. So Brexit. Um, Everybody loves it when we talk about Brexit, I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was trying to figure out because there were some headlines today, and I couldn't get to the bottom of what actually transpired today. And I, I think you, you said something about Parliament there was can a be vote. A, can be a bit opaque. Yeah, you know, it's like wait. So the the guy picked up a stick. Why is that a problem? Yeah. It's like, but that's the ceremonial <laughs> mace. And yeah. even no though votes can be taken for twenty years. Well, the, the, <laughs> like like the Parliament can't be seated while the mace isn't there because it's supposed to represent the consent of the Queen. And okay, but like the Queen does consent. It's just some dude taking the mace. It's like you know, but it's still <laughs> decorum. Yeah. So I. Could... Oh wait, sorry. Oh my God. Uh, no oh, crap. I can't do my British accent. No. Anyway, decorum. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So I tried to figure out what happened. I didn't really get to the bottom of it, but the vote is next week, as far as I know. Yes, I for, I, par, for Parliament to take. I think take the... it, actually, I think it has to be done by the fifteenth next Tuesday. Say, the anniversary of the molasses flood <laughs> <laughs> is, I think, day, is the deadline for for a, a vote on the on Prime Minister May's Brexit deal. The um, I don't remember exactly when it is i think it's tuesday but uh it's, it's certainly when, when, next week. when she brought it up like there like last year there was like a deadline by which the motion had to actually be brought to a vote or it was null and void so if she doesn't you know if she doesn't actually call the question and get parliament to vote then they got nothing and when it's actually effective is it march 29th march 29th is when brexit yeah. happens regardless yeah. of any other arrangements, uh, unless the UK does something to p postpone or cancel the. You uh, were saying something because that would be cold turkey on March 29th if there's no vote to accept the deal. They're calling it crashing out. <laughs> yeah, crash. Oh, is it crashing out? Oh, good to know. Yeah. And um, but you were saying something about they took a vote to not allow them to um, to to be able to spend any more money. So to... so one of the things that they're that the British government has been doing because there are at least some smart people who think about things and how stuff needs to get done there, and uh, they were like, okay, well, it's not. We haven't actually made an agreement yet for leaving the European Union, 
but where it's going to happen. So, so we may wind up having to sort of just deal with it where there's no official arrangement. No rules. Right. <laughs> so what happens then? So one of the things they started working on was like, well, what happens at the customs checkpoints and whatnot at the border crossings, you know? And like, they're sort of like dry running it and tabletop. Right. Getting, it. getting a, you know, like getting a hundred lorries <laughs> and lining them up to see like, you oh, know. trucks. I'm sorry. Trucks, yes. <laughs> to see like how quickly does the traffic pass through if they have to do customs inspections and stuff like that, you know? Like what kind of log jams can they have? And so this was, you know, an actual test run, a dress rehearsal. Oh, I love it. Uh, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a smart idea. Well, so uh, the House of Commons uh, uh, passed a measure saying that uh, the government wasn't allowed to um, spend more money on that kind of preparation for crashing out without explicit authorization from Parliament. So in other words... So much for safety net. <laughs> right. Well, I mean... Yeah, ex exactly. <gasps> Talk but, about throwing the steering wheel out the window. <laughs> well, I, yeah, and it, it's it, as as we've mentioned before, it's because there are a ton of people who don't want to leave the EU at all, and many of the people who do want to leave don't want to leave like this. Um, and I, as I, as I think I've said before, it's it's really a case of people sort of emotionally voted for. Shall you know the question was simply shall we shall we stay leave the EU or remain and people were like I hate the EU I want to leave you know and it's like okay well how do we do that what does that mean people didn't actually vote for any specifics about they didn't vote for a timetable they didn't vote for you know like okay we want to leave under these conditions but not those you know none of that it was yeah, just a very it's a ballot question right it, well and it was an it was an uncomplicated ballot question unlike was, the marijuana law here in Massachusetts right. it was very complicated and well thought out yeah. right. Um, and it still took two years for the so, government to say okay. So, it, you know, it, it was a measure that uh, certainly, uh, you know, had legal significance and, and, and was politically important. And I'm not, you know, in the end, I think the, uh, the government – I understand the impulse of British politicians to honor the will of the voters. That is indeed a good idea in a democracy. I think that's kind of honorable. <laughs> well, well, it's, it's – but I think at the same time – it's it's worth noting that uh, the people who voted f to leave were rash and impulsive and uh, are a lot of the same kinds of people who don't really want to think about how things work. They just want what Half they want. the country? Yeah. Yeah. See, I, I'm much more of a populist than you. Isn't that funny because I'm a Republican that I think people really wanted to leave? Uh, Maybe not realizing all the implications, but those those have come sure. out of the woodwork. And the pro I mean, part of it is that you know, ready, f fire, aim, <laughs> sort of the new world. They they design right. things that way too. They they right. put out things before they're ready for prime time. And yeah, it's interesting. It's a it's a it's a very much of a um, sort of well, and it's one of the reasons why, as as we were saying in the first half, you know, these things are hard. Why did the Obama administration spend so much time on healthcare reform that it couldn't get to immigration? Because doing a health care reform bill that actually worked. It was know, almost impossible. Well, it was almost impossible. And there are certainly complaints to be leveled at the Affordable Care Act, and there were hiccups along the way, like with the website rollout and whatnot. Oh, and nothing's but, been able – my party won't let, wouldn't let anybody fix anything. I mean, that's, right. that's part of the reason that it's kind of rough. Normally, huge legislation, there's all sorts of technical corrections yeah. after the fact. Yeah, you've got you, – you know, there's tweaks and rollouts. It's, yeah. it's like it's – 
you know, it's it, a given. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like rolling out a new video game. You've got a patch because this bit of code doesn't work, and you know, whatever. You know, any kind of new product that's complicated, um, whether it's a law or a smartphone or whatever. But the um, uh, the Obama administration said, okay, this is what we want to do, and they spent years working on figuring out how they were going to do it. And then once they said we're going to do it, they rolled it out. You know, like it took what four years for the Affordable Care Act to fully take effect. There's still some things that haven't taken right. effect. So. And but it so with all of its flaws and imperfections and its uh, not getting rid of the parasitic private and health insurance companies that I wish we would do. Uh, Crazy lefty here, but um, at the I just call them legal organized crime. That's <laughs> that's a, probably a more sober analysis. Uh, basically, because I had a fight with my yeah yeah Part D the other week. And yeah, no, I just no, changed I, insurance companies. Like, oh my god, I, yeah. If you've gone around the if you've gone around the table with them a couple of times, you're like, this is not fair. Yeah, no, they 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 are annoying, and one of the reasons why healthcare costs are so high is because all these administrators have to work yelling at the other administrators at the health insurance companies and whatnot. But the um, fundamentally, Obamacare works. It functions. You know, it was designed to machine was designed to work in a certain way, and it actually works that way. And you know, you can have problems with the you know, like you know, it's like, hey, this this gasoline powered car spews out carbon dioxide and it's poisoning, you know, the planet and the atmosphere and it's bad for us. Sure. But it actually like you turn the key in the ignition, it actually runs and takes you around to places like that's what it was designed to do. The other problems are like conceptual with the whole enterprise. Part and that's, two. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, like you need to fix that. But yeah. But and it's the same, you know, so Brexit was, uh, uh, as you said, uh, aspirational ready fire aim <laughs> well, I, I, like like so a majority of british voters were are are unimpressed with the eu don't like it for various reasons you know and um, you know and thank god britain never changed their money over right and i'm i'm not which i think right. even the government had some reservations because they sure, didn't yeah, surrender that's, their that's one of the reasons yeah. what's one of the reasons yeah why uh the you know the uk is uh in the position it's in the um i i understand not necessarily liking the European Union. It's a big, kludgy thing that doesn't always work that well and can create some real problems, and and it's it's far from perfect. But it's one thing to say, I don't like it. Yeah, I wouldn't. It'd be nice to go on our own and be, uh, you know, a stronger, independent nation. Oh, but what does that actually take? How do we do that? What's that going to cost us? And they, they hadn't worked any of that out. Well, and, there were a lot of analyses that were provided by both sides that were misleading. So, it, you know, people thought that it meant certain things, which it may or may not have meant. You know, there well, was a lot of misinformation. Well, well there, was, there was a lot of information from the Leave people. The Remain people were saying, like, well, once we do this, it will wind up causing a lot of economic damage. Since they haven't left yet, we don't actually know whether that's right or oh, not. No, they were they were specu They had all sorts of wild projections about you know what would happen to Britain if it left, and well, which yeah. may all be wrong. Right, I'm saying, but we don't know. <laughs> but I'm saying both both sides had their you know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, their, yeah, yeah. Don't know. It was a serious campaign, and half the people. I mean, I just I can't discount that as people who didn't know. Oh, sure, better. but uh, but and half the people said this is a terrible idea. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I I'm not saying that uh, uh, those people were complete, you know, completely ignorant of any idea of what what it might mean, but 
Um, for example, one of the things that uh, is clear from uh, how people are talking about it now is uh, the the matter of the border between Northern Ireland and Ireland. Oh, yeah, that's a huge problem. Is a huge problem, which almost no one talked about at all in the lead up to the to the referendum vote. You know, so it's 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 part of the problem uh, is that people didn't really think about what it means and now that they've now that they're actually committed to doing it as you said they've they've ready they fired <laughs> and now they're saying like oh but we actually have to fix this problem yeah. and now uh I, I like her solution but you don't like it i i i Theresa May. i you know i think i think i think leaving is a terrible idea oh no i'm so, saying the backstop for if it isn't if they don't have a good solution for it, right, how they will handle. The I think border. that's that's the best she can do. You know, I think the whole. The, you know, at least it's, it's the whole project of leaving the EU. I think is misconceived. But if you're going to do that, uh, and you have to maintain the the peace accord in Northern Ireland the, from the Good Friday talks, then yeah, this is pretty much the only way you can do it. Yeah. Without, and I think ultimately what they're going to have to do, if they really truly want to leave the European Union, I think what what Britain has to do is, you know, the, the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland and just recognize that they're just going to have to be Great Britain and hope that they can hang on to the Welsh and the Scots because the Scots definitely, you know, like like the, the Scottish politics is becoming dominated by the Scottish National well, Party. the Welsh folks will burn a bridge any chance they get to keep the English from coming over. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, no, they're all... Uh... My, my understanding <laughs> is that, like, a lot of Welsh voters did vote to leave the EU, but I wouldn't be surprised if they would prefer to not be part. Oh, totally leave. <laughs> yeah, to totally leave. <laughs> like not just the EU, but also. <laughs> right. And I, so I, I wouldn't be surprised uh, if. Uh, I don't mean to speak for the Welsh, but I have a few family members that are quite outspoken. So. Well, I don't speak any Welsh, so I'm. <laughs> and, and it's a tongue twister, so I'm not going to oh, try. I'd have saliva all over my face if you spoke <laughs> Welsh. <laughs> if you've ever. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Just a short little tidbit because i love this okay um so you know they tried to drive out the welsh language and yes. prevent people from speaking it yes. so there's a lot of words that they don't have in the welsh language now that they're really speaking it again especially uh -huh. modern yeah, yeah modern things yeah so i got a, a call from a family member and uh, they were all tickled they said oh you know we just got a microwave and um it's you know brand new and it's really good and they said by the way do you know what the welsh word is for microwave and I'm thinking, whatever she's going to say, I mean, microwave I, or something. You know, I'm not yeah. going to have any idea what she said because it's all vowels in yeah, the yeah. Welsh language. Yeah. She goes, "Poppity ping," and I'm like, "Oh, that's a good name for a microwave." They call it a poppity ping. I love it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How onomatopoetic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and that's you know, it is, it is whimsical. That's yeah. the nice part of it. So, yeah. Well, I don't speak a word of Welsh, but I I have nothing Me but respect neither. for them. Well, wanting now you to, speak one word. To, to, yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I just in the end, I think the uh, uh, the UK is going to have to the the people in the UK have to reckon which is more important to them: sort of maintaining uh, their current political power, you know, like maintaining Northern Ireland and Scotland and, and being Great Britain and Northern Ireland or not, because I, I they can basically have the kind of cut off from the EU that they want if they give up Northern Ireland, or they can have this deal that they don't like where in Northern Ireland they're essentially still sort of wedded to the EU but without any kind of control over it, 
and they can't actually leave fully leave the EU until the EU agrees well, because of the Northern Ireland backstop. Except for the backstop is temporary. It can't it can't be permanent. That's it, actually it, it, it can't be permanent, but there's no set expiration date, and it won't end and until both sides agree that, that that they're done with it. That's explicitly in it. it it's got a it's got a hook. There's a it's interesting because I was trying to follow that. And, oh well, may, maybe yeah. you you may have seen some detail that I didn't yeah. follow or don't understand. I was like, oh, okay. But, I but see what they're one doing. of the big arguments, one of the reasons why so many people uh, who want to leave the EU hate it is because the backstop specifically uh, allows still. allows the EU a veto over when the UK would leave, yeah. uh, when they would finish that backstop arrangement. Yeah. So it's a, it's, a, it's a heck of a problem. Yeah, whenever you give up your sovereignty, it's, you end up with troubles. You do. Well, you end up also possibly with advantages. I mean, after all, that's one of the reasons why Massachusetts gave up some of its sovereignty to this thing called the United States of America. And every once in a while, we take it back. So. <laughs> every once in a while, we may regret it. But So I have a cute little story. I just The last thing I want to say, um, mm-hmm. I lived around the Cambridge area in the 19, late 70s, early 80s. Yeah, in the People's Republic, yeah. <laughs> well, I, li- I didn't live in Cambridge, but I had friends in Cambridge. And there was a Sears building that closed. There's mm-hmm. a very famous Sears building, and they're turning it into all these theaters and everything. And um, yep. I think it's Porter Square. In Porter Square, which is a very dense area. So you'll see where I'm going with this. So my friends and all their friends, um, liberals, progressive Democrats, yeah, decided that the cinema, they hadn't planned for where the parking would be, and their neighborhoods were already terrible, and this was a really bad idea. So they thought mm-hmm. they'd do a dry run of what it would be like when the cinema opened. So they figured out how many cars would be driving around the block. And they they amassed all these cars, and they drove around a Saturday morning in their Volvos around the block in um, Porter Square Yeah, and prevented the cinema from going in there because the gridlock was intense. Yeah, And so when you were talking about Brexit and them driving the lorries to see what it was really going to be like, uh-huh. yeah. it's like... <clears throat> These folks in Cambridge actually halted a government decision because they basically, you know, they gave it a let's let's show them what it'll be like, and it was a, I thought it was sort of brilliant. But the image of everybody in their sandals and their brie and their Volvos, but they they stopped the you know and they developed it differently that had better impact on the neighborhood. But anyway, I thought it was pertinent because of the Sears thing that's going on. There. Well, I may be a crazy lefty, but I do still have a soft spot in my heart for, you know, ordinary people going like, oh, no, you idiots don't know what you're doing. Let us show you. I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, It really was a mess. It was like, you know, it was the front page of everything. And Mm -hmm. yeah, it was very cool, actually. And you didn't, you knew to not go to Porter Square that day. If you knew, you know, somebody tipped you off, don't don't go to Porter Square today. (laughs) Anyway, so people take it into your own hands, right? Yeah. Unless you're Chris Christie and you're shutting down a, the a bridge, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, we should uh, wrap up. Uh, oh man, we didn't even talk about the the evidence linking Paul Manafort to actually colluding with Russia. Oh man, <laughs> <laughs> good thing there's next week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not like that story won't become more important and 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 interesting. Yeah. So um, yeah. So uh, we are going to wrap up here with uh, uh, civil politics here on Valley Free Radio. Uh, am I? What am I doing here? Sorry. I'm just trying to talk and look at something and get this to work right. 
So we have a replay on Monday at 4 and um, on uh, Valley Free Radio, uh, 4 p.m. on Monday afternoons. And um, when, who's coming up next? Um, yeah, no, I'm sorry. I've, I've got it here. Um, okay, good. Yeah. So uh, there we go. Okay, I was like, what am I? Oh, right. <laughs> I need to move the slider. I love it that you can do two things at a time. <clears throat> but I not think, five. <laughs> I believe it was just demonstrated that I couldn't. No, but not five. You can do two, but not five. Anyway, yes. Coming up next is Subculture, uh, followed by Table of Contents and OK Asia. We do have a podcast of this show, which will be uh, uploaded to iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, etc., etc. Um, Sundays? Sundays? Yeah, usually on Sunday. Anyway, so you can listen to us uh, in eternity. You can also find it on our website, civilpoliticsradio.com. And, uh, yeah, we are still having an encore airing on Monday afternoons at 4, which I'm very pleased about. So, anyway, that's going to be all for Civil Politics tonight here on Valley Free Radio. I'm Michael Dow. That was Sue Timberlake. And uh, I'm sorry for all my mistakes. (laughs) Tune in next week to see what happens to our heroes. I'm a sidekick. You can be the hero. <laughs> <laughs> whoever, the, whoever your heroes are. Huh? Right. Exactly. So thanks for listening, everybody. Good night. This show is part of the Planetside Productions Network. For more information, please visit www.planetside.pro. And thank you for listening.